Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the inaugural episode of Great Lakes and Her Story. This is supported by you, the listener. It is your podcast. For details on how to donate and more, go to patreon.com forward slash e morris. I am Everett Morris, and this is Great Lakes and Her Story. Welcome to the first of many episodes of the Great Lakes and Her Story, a show that takes you on the journeys back in time and through regions of the Great Lakes area. We will, through each episode, explore ships, the people that built them, the regions that operated them, or that still do, and explore what made them special. First and foremost, I want to tell you what got this whole idea started. It all started with my dad. Who oh, where to start? Leon Morris was a history buff. I remember back in high school, he tried to work with me in history, his favorite subject. He was hoping more than anything that I would find it interesting as he, as he did. As you can guess, I didn't. Not one bit. It was okay, though. I would, it would come in time. We spent many fishing trips discussing the local lake history, the Great Lakes ships, and so on. Whenever he got a new model, he got me involved. He passed away, but my mother still has all of his ships. He spent many an hour reading and researching the ships. He could tell you the ship names, captains, how the ships got their names, the areas that they served, the whole thing. One day back in 2002, he called me up. He wanted me to see a favorite ship of his that was anchored in Saugatuck. I figured, why not? Could be fun. Then he told me how old it was, and I had to see her. I grabbed my video camera, a travel mug, a coffee, and met up with him at his house. Before I knew it, we got to the ship. We parked. I got out, grabbing my camera. Then I saw her, larger than life. It was the SS Kiwatin. I rolled the camera most of the tour. I had to be careful not to use the whole battery at once. The whole thing was an experience that I would never forget. I can still remember the staterooms, the dining hall. It so reminded me of the Titanic, only smaller. That's when I found it was one of the last remaining ships in the Titanic's era. I prayed that day that ship would last forever. That's what cemented the whole thing. It made me understand the passion. It then, in that moment, passed on to me his passion. When he passed, I required a large portion of Great Lakes history books. So in my free time, I thought it would be fun to do a podcast, following in the footsteps of the History Channel, HowStuffWorks.com, etc. The way stories were told made me feel and made me understand the past and made it made the past feel real it made it interesting I admit I listen to a lot of podcasts daily tech news show the morning stream with Scott Johnson and a lot of how stuff works mostly tech stuff and car stuff that's when it occurred to me why not tell the stories of what my dad found interesting. Why not pass along his passion as he did to me? That's what started this crazy idea. So the other question, 
Where did the title come from? Well, it really seemed cut and dry. It's about the Great Lakes, of course. But the latter part, her story, what does that mean? The lakes, in my mind, is a collective her. Each lake has a story. Each lake has a region, industry, society, culture. So by that, I show respect to the lakes as a lady. And each ship is to be referred to as her. This was important to my dad. You show respect to the ship. Nothing else matters. So to all this, the lakes, the ships, I show the highest respect by calling the collective her. So with this introduction, I give you my series, The Great Lakes and Her Story. And what better way to start is to start with a ship that was introduced to me first, the SS Kiwatin. It only seems right, after all, to present the ship that has a special part of me captivated. A fun fact first, Kiwatin is a word that comes from the native North American language meaning blizzard from the north. <laughs> and nobody knows blizzards better than the north. So here we go. It all starts in 1907. Where? <laughs> Scotland, of course. Ordered by Canadian Pacific Steamship Company on December 22nd, 1906 and built by Fairfield Shipbuilding and Engineering Company in Govan, Scotland. Hull number 453 was signed on February 20th, 1907. It was insured for 78,000 pounds through Lloyds of London. The ship was named the Kiwatin and launched from her berth number 6 on July 6, 1907. Sea trials began on September 12, 1907, sharing the date with the SS Lusitania. After successful trials and fit-out, she departed Scotland from Montreal, Canada on September 14, 1907. She was registered in Montreal under registry number 125985, and then cut in half. You see, it had to be split for a journey to her home port, Port McNichol. The apt hands of the Davy shipyards in Quebec City were up to the task. I will be posting pictures of the split on our page, churchstreetstudios.online, in the media section. As the ship was in half, she was towed up the St. Lawrence, across Lake Ontario, via the Welland Canal to Buffalo, New York. The journey took four days, starting October 10th. After this, it would still take a year before her first passenger. Her inaugural voyage was on October 7, 1908, leaving Owen Sound to Fort William. This would be her regular seasonal route until May 1912, when she started operating out of Port McNichol in May 1912 until 1966. Out of the four ships that operated many Great Lakes ports, the Kiwatin was considered to be the most elaborate, with many glamorous lounges, an observation lounge, and the signature dining room. Originally as built, the Kiwatin had three masts. With this, she was known as an Edwardian schooner. The masts would support sails in an emergency. The original middle 
was moved to the mizzen position, which, if you don't know, is aft of the mainsail. This move occurred in 1950. These masts were steel replacements. The middle mast handled the aerial antenna for the radio room until 1955. As the sails were never employed, and this was when the radar system took place of the aerial. This also made Kiwatin the first ship on the Great Lakes to have a radar system. The woodwork, the carpets, craftsmanship was beyond compare. This spread itself heavily throughout the ship. So let's imagine you're roaming the decks. I can tell you from first-hand experience the ship had a lot going on, and it still does. It had three gorgeous passenger decks. Within the three decks, it had a long sun deck and an upper deck. This had a drawing room far forward, followed by cabins, then the dining room. It had an observation lounge towards the rear of the ship. The passenger space was elaborate as well. It had seven deluxe cabins, complete with private facilities. There were four berth cabins and two berth cabins. The outer cabins with a porthole had an extra sofa, making it a three berth cabin. One sister ship, the SS Assiniboia, was identical in build minus one detail. She was converted to an oil firing during the winter season of 1953 to 1954. The Kiwatin still remains as the original build, a coal-burning engine. Due to its originality, it set her apart as one of the most unique ships in the world. The Assiniboia was set up to be a floating museum slash restaurant after her service, but a fire put that dream to an end. It sunk in 1969, but was brought back up in 1970. Of course, nature had her way with her. And with the cost of refitting being too much, it was scrapped in 1971 in Philadelphia. But now this is where the story takes a turn. The Kiwatin had served faithfully for 60 years. She needed a retirement. She was also facing the consideration of being scrapped herself. But in January 1967, the ship was purchased by Mr. Roland J. Peterson, Sr. for $37,000 U.S. dollars. And that would have been 2000 over what she would have made being sold for pieces in scrap. It arrived in Saugatuck on June 27, 1967. It was there the ship stood proud as the Kiwatin Maritime Museum until 2012. My dad and I toured her 10 years before she was moved to the original home, Port McNichol, as I referred to at the beginning. Now, I had been debating with myself whether to state this, but I think I lost my own fight. I respect the people of Port McNichol and their maintaining the ship that I was struck by awe with. I love the fact that these people put arduous hours and blood and sweat and tears into preserving her. I especially thank these people, keeping a piece of joy that my father held so dear. The one thing that bothers me, it's too far away. But as I say, this is a good thing. This ship is entrusted into the capable hands 
of a gentleman that was once a waiter at the age of 17 aboard the ship. His name none other than the Captain Eric Conroy. Between himself and Mr. Gil Blutrich, they started Skyline Developments. They bought the land that was operated by the Canadian Pacific, brought the ship back to its original port in Port McNichol in 2012. It took work, though. Mr. Blutrich provided the funds to purchase the ship from Mr. Peterson, dredge 137,000 cubic yards of silt from the Kalamazoo River where she sat for 45 years. And in order to move her back to her home port, she had to be made seaworthy. One can only imagine the obstacles they had to cross. As the Kiwatin sits in her home port, it is owned by Skyline Developments. It is rented by Friends of Kiwatin, which is operated by Captain Eric Conroy. The money raised from tourism and donations are turned right back into the maintenance of the ship. And dare I say, based on the pictures that I've seen, this money has been well spent. I couldn't be prouder to say that I was on board her in, here in Michigan. And I have a small piece of her in my mind. And if I ever have the ability to put my video from the tour on DVD or upload it to YouTube, it will be my small contribution to honor her. It was also with pride. I had just recently been able to see the episode of Murdoch Mysteries featuring the Kiwatin. Episode 1 of Season 7 takes place entirely on the ship, minus some minor scenes at the police station. It was special to see her honored that way. It was also a bit bittersweet, knowing that my dad would have loved to see that episode. <laughs> he would have called me jumping out of the chair as he was sitting in excitement to see one of his favorites on TV. If you've not seen it, you're doing, it, doing yourself a major disservice by not. I would like to extend special thanks in this episode to Captain Eric Conroy, for without his contribution, this information would have been impossible to find. I did my best to encapsulate everything in a chronological order based on his information, trying not to copy it. Though, isn't it said plagiarism is the finest form of flattery? Yes, I would like to acknowledge as well the Friends of Kiwatin Foundation for doing their part to maintain a piece of Great Lakes in Canada's history. You are all heroes and you should be highly commended. I would also like to thank Ruben Gossens, the historian and author that compiled the information I referred to. After his extensive work, I feared other sources would shadow in comparison. And that's it. The first episode of Great Lakes and her story if you like it, please subscribe via your favorite podcast app. This will be available via Google Play Music, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And please, also, if you really liked it, please consider donating at patreon.com forward slash emorris. I cannot do this show without you, the listener. I don't take advertising, and your support will allow me to purchase the things needed to continue research and compensate those who may guest on the show. So please, if you would consider a dollar a month, that would get things rolling very nicely. That's patreon.com forward slash emorris. 
Thank you again for listening, and stick around where next month I interview Justin Bensley. <laughs> Who is he? Ha <laughs> ha! Subscribe and find out. Thank you, and good day. This show is brought to you by Church Street Studios. For more, go to churchstreetstudios.online. Yeah, it is!